love that music for the Winter Olympics episodes. But is it is it too Christmassy, Bree Walker? Oh, it does have a Christmassy vibe, but you know the whole white Christmas kind of mm. winter feel. Uh, I think that I think people get the idea. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but the more important question is the most important question of this whole podcast. I think is it's Anzac Day today. Mm-hmm. Who's winning the footy? The You're Bombers, a Bombers fan, of course. Yeah. Of course. Look, look, you're wearing an incident scarf. scarf. You're ready to go. I'm going to the game too. So, um, look, um, fingers across. We're we're praying to the bomber gods out there that we're (laughs) going to get up. So, yeah, fingers crossed that we we can get the job done today. When was the last time you went to a game? Because you live overseas, right? Actually, I honestly think it was probably Anzac Day 2019. Oh, I go I go each year with my yeah. friend Felicity, who is a Collingwood supporter. Okay, so it's always a like great day out. It's best rivalry, um, and yeah, it's it's such a fun day. So 2019 though, that was a sad day. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, it was. I remember was her being very arrogant and leaving the place. Was it wet? I feel like it was also like rainy. Mm. I can't remember too well. We've been to a few of them, so they're all mushing into one. <laughs> um, but I actually, I must admit, I did go to a. Nah, nah, that was before. I took Christian, my my German boyfriend, oh, to a football. Him the footy. Yeah, I took him to a another Collingwood game. It was Collingwood and um, Geelong game and uh, he loved it. He thought it was a bit chaotic because he's used to <laughs> soccer, which yeah, is a little yeah, bit yeah. more orderly. Um, but, yeah, no, he did love it. Is he an Essendon fan? Yes, of course. Good. He's a big tipper fan. Oh. And he's and he really wants a um, a Dreamtime jersey oh, this yes. year. And so I, I need to get it to him because yep. I've been promising for the last few years, so I need to get him a Dreamtime jersey. We were talking about the gift he got you on the Pocket Profile episode. <laughs> and, yeah, Dreamtime jersey would be absolutely awesome from you as well. But yep. uh, taking it back from the footy now, moving on, Onto your sports because you're taking a break from it at the moment, aren't you? Yes. So you come back here, and I saw you said on Instagram that you've been reflecting, focusing on more on what's going on between the years. So, what have you been reflecting about? Anything you've learned over this little period? Yeah, I think it's been a really important time for me to reflect mentally on um, what have I, what I've just experienced, and then also what I want to achieve uh, in the future. And so that's allowed me to take a time like away physically from my sport and just work on, yeah, what's going on between the ears and 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 just check into my mindset and my mentality and how I can improve that way. Um, so then when I go back into sport or my training physically, um, I'm going to have a better mindset and a better approach to it all. So what methods are you going to use when you're going back into training that you've kind of realised over this little break? Just like the way that I'm talking to myself sometimes, like so I can be quite hard on myself. Yeah. Um, I have high expectations and I want to be able to perform and produce all the time, but that sometimes doesn't always happen. But um, you don't need to talk badly about yourself. You don't need to put yourself down because you haven't been able to perform on a certain day. Um, all you need to do is be able to um, address what didn't go so well, but then also address what did go well so then you can keep those kind of um, aspects of your performance or your training session um, and then just change what didn't go so well so it can go better next time. So that's just one example of what I'm doing. So did you do the Olympics and then went on break straight away? Yes. Okay. So I think we'll go in depth on the Olympics in a bit, but just quickly for the people who don't know everything about you, what were the events that you were in? 
I was in the monobob, which is the single person bobsleigh, and then the two men uh, bobsleigh, which is obviously got, I got myself and my my teammate Kiara Radingius. Okay, so you got those two events. Mm-hmm. Can you break them down for us? Because I don't think we've got a massive community of bobsleigh fans who tune into the show. No, <laughs> I'd be not very experts. surprised if you did. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the single person bobsleigh uh, or the monobob event was introduced uh, this last Olympic cycle. So it was the first time it was ever competed at Olympics in Beijing. Um, and so pretty much I just push the sled by myself and then I jump in and I drive down the track by myself. Um, it's a little bit different because obviously I'm pushing a much heavier sled. Um, it, the, both sleds, the two-man and the monobob, are exactly the same weight, but it's obviously I don't have anybody helping me, so it is a lot heavier. So the technique to push is a little bit different, and then the driving is also a little bit different because I don't have somebody weighing um, down the sled in the back. But then you have the two-man event, um, so it's I push actually the sled from the side, and then I have a teammate pushing from the back. And then when I load in, she'll load in after me. And then she just sits in the sled and um, goes along for the ride while I'm driving down the track. And then when we cross the line, she pulls the brakes so we can stop. So she's not doing anything? No. Kiara? No, no. So that that could, like, other than the pushing, that could just be anyone doing that, really. Well, yeah. Obviously, it's a hard thing to do. Yes. But... Yeah, after you're pushing, you just yeah. Yeah, you not just doing jump anything. in and and then hold on to the frame and put your head down and just hope that I do the best job possible. <laughs> <laughs> right, and how long are these courses? Uh, they go for a, roughly about a minute. They're fifty seconds to a, a little bit over a minute. And what about so distance wise? Distance wise, they're probably about one kilometer to one hundred. Oh yeah, fifteen hundred meters. So, how fast do you reckon you're going? Uh, we're going in the two-man, we're probably going 130 to 140 kilometres an hour, and in the monobob, we're going about 120 to about 130 kilometres an hour. Jeez, do you get scared? Mm, no, to say <laughs> scared is uh, is not entirely correct. There is some times where it can be a little bit, like you can get a lot of uh, like nerves and anxiety before a run, but during a run, I I don't wouldn't say being scared is the correct way to describe it. It's just because you, you're so focused and you're so in the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's more prior to the run you can get a little bit nervous and anxiety and have a lot of anxiety for it. But that's in any competition, you know, and you just have to learn different techniques to, in order to be able to overcome that. How frequent have crashes been for you? Oh, in your time doing it, have yeah, you? they they can be pretty frequent, and I guess I've ha- my development has been kind of fast tracked over the last few years, mm. um, and in that being the case, you're obviously pushing the limits a lot more, and so crashes do occur quite a lot. Yeah, and, but it's a part of sport, and they're not as bad as what um, they sound. Let's yeah. Just- just say they can be uh, like they can hurt, obviously, because crashing does hurt. Um, but yeah, they they're not as bad as what like I guess the general public may seem. So you'd have a helmet, yep. right? Anything else? Protective gear? Yeah, oh, not really. Not like you don't have shoulder pads or anything like yeah. that. You have padding inside the sled um, yeah. to help reduce the impact of hitting the walls and, yeah. and obviously crashing. Um, you wear a Kevlar vest so to prevent ice burns. Um, and then uh, in training, we'll wear like a, a tracksuit onesie. Um, and, but on the race day, you're just wearing lycra thin uh, because it has to be aerodynamic and be, allow you to move as fast as possible. Right. Before bobsled, though, hurdles, yes. right? 
How good were your hurdles back in the day? And 400 metres? Yeah, yeah, 400 metre hurdle. I was a 400 metre hurdler and I I only really, I didn't do it as long as what people think I did. I was mainly a 400 metre runner yeah. and my coach always wanted me to get into 400 metre hurdles because when I came to my originally was like, I'm a 400 metre runner and I'm a 100 metre hurdler. And he's like, oh, so you're a 400 metre hurdler. And I was like, no, 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 400 metres slash 100 meter hurdler um and he was like ah we'll see and so I trained with him for a few years and the height over those years increased um on on my hurdles and I just couldn't make the distance anymore in my 100 meters and so I was like no I'll just focus more on the 400 because that was going quite well I was um meddling at state and I had gone to nationals and I made the final there and so I was doing quite well there and then I remember my last year, after my last uh, junior nationals, uh, my coach again tried to get me into 400 hurdles. He said, just do your 400 hurdles to help improve your 400. And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, either that or you do an 800. I'm like, no, no, one lap's enough for me, so I'm going <laughs> to go give 400-meter hurdles a go. And I did it, and I actually really enjoyed it. I liked that it was like – each hurdle was like a progression in the race and um, you had something to focus on rather than just the pain that you're going through because the 400 metres can be very painful. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I did one race and I liked it. I did another race and I really liked it and I also improved significantly. And my coach said to me, he's like, you could go on and win state if you actually trained and we focused on this. And I was like okay, let's give it a go. And so I trained for a few months and then I was able to go on and win state. And then I progressed to nationals there and I made the final there. And then the following year, I actually got a scholarship to uh, a college in America. And um, so I went over there on a full ride and that was that was a really fantastic experience. But um, I actually became quite injured and... Um, I was injured going over to America and I just couldn't recover from that injury. And also my training changed quite a lot because they were heavily focused um, on training in the gym. And uh, that was something that I hadn't been exposed to yet as a young athlete. How old were you at this stage? I was 21. Okay. And and I didn't really do any weights up until that point. I had maybe gone and done a little bit of circuit work, but never any like real strength work. Mm. Um, and I said to my coach, I go, I know my body type. If I do a lot of heavy weights, um, I'm going to put on muscle. And he said, no, 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 uh, don't worry, not with our training, we won't do that. Um, but a year of doing weights, I put on quite a substantial amount of weight and I opened up my second year at college with my slowest 400 metre that I had done since I was like 16. And I was like, yeah, okay, I, my purpose to come over to America was to be faster and I'm getting slower, so I don't yeah. think this is the right place for me. So that's when I packed up and went home. <laughs> so when you started putting on that weight with those training methods, with the alarm bells ringing for you or the coaches or the trainers or anything like that? Yes and no, because I was improving. And so I, th I thought, okay, if I'm improving in the gym, surely I'm going to improve on the track. Yeah. But I don't think the training that I was doing on the track was complementing what I was doing in the gym. I was doing a lot of heavy, powerful stuff, but then going out and doing a lot of long distance running. And they're completely two different kinds of training. Mm. Um, and so 
So because I was like doing a lot of long distance um, tempo work and then doing heavy weights, I just be, like the combination just made me quite slow. Did you try to raise it with them that you thought the training methods might have been a bit off, not quite right? Yeah, but they were very convinced that it was going to work. But it didn't? No. So by the end of it, they must have known that it wasn't working right. Yes, but I think they probably experienced that with athletes before and they maybe they just like maybe eventually it would have worked for me, but I just didn't really I don't know, I it just wasn't sitting right with me and it, and I knew poten- the potential that I had and I knew where I wanted to be and if I carried on with that for lo- like a longer period of time, mm. I just don't think I would have been um where I wanted to be. So yeah, I knew I needed to go home. So when you were a runner and a hurdler, did you have, well, what was the kind of aspiration for you, like a goal that you were aiming for? Yeah, it was it was to get to the Olympics. I wanted to represent Australia at the top level and at the world stage because for me they were the athletes that were the best in the world and so I wanted to go to world championships. I wanted to... Um, you know, Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, because they were the best in the world and I wanted to be one of those athletes. I wanted to be the best of the world. Um, so that was the real that was the real goal for me. How close do you think you were? Looking back now, I think I had a long way to go, but there and then in the moment, I, I think I thought I had the I, – I would have been maybe one or – to uh, one Olympic cycle away from doing it. And I think if I persisted, I would have been able to maybe go to the Olympics, but it probably only would have been in like a, like a relay. And I don't think I would have, if I made it in an individual event, I'm not sure if I would have made a semi or a final. I just would have been able to go there and say, okay, I'm an Olympian now. Um, I would have been satisfied with that, but I'm so much more satisfied with what I'm doing now in bobsleigh. Mm. So were you fully motivated at the end of your time as a runner or a hurdler? And did you, like as soon as the college experience finished, was that when your career finished in that? No, no, no. I came home from that college experience and I was just like, I want to find the fire again because it did burn me out a little bit because, of course, like I'm training so hard over there and it was a, it was a big goal of mine to go to a college in America because I did think like looking at those American athletes – and the ones who were successful, they all went to college. So I'm like, if I go and do that, I'm going to be as successful as them. And for that not to happen, it was quite deflating. And so I did um, come home and I was like, I want to find the love of my sport again and and um, get back to where I, uh, I was. And so I found a new coach. I, I, um, I started working with Peter Fortune, who was actually Kathy Freeman's old coach. Oh. And he was amazing. He uh, he just took me under his wing and he's like, we've got a lot of work to do, but, like, I think we can get, get you back up there. And so I just was, like, whole winter I just, like, worked so hard. And I was really starting to improve, improve, improve. But then it, I was actually watching the Rio Olympics and I had to ask myself the hard question and that was – was I going to be able to represent Australia at the highest level um, in 400-metre hurdles? And the hard answer was no because I knew where I was in my athletic ability. I knew who was coming through and there were so many young, talented athletes coming through that I was going to have to really fight to get up to the top again. 
And, yeah, I just was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this in the time frame that I thought as an athlete at that time that I had because I guess, like, back when I was, I, I know, 22, 23, I thought in order to be at the top level, I have to do that at this age. I have to do this quite young because that's the only the only athletes I knew and my all my role models did that when they were so young. But now you can see so many older athletes competing at the Olympics that are now mums and they're into their 30s. And so maybe I'd have a different view on that um, now. But, yeah, for me I was just like, okay, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this in 400-metre hurdles, so maybe my talents lie elsewhere. And so that's when I simply just Googled whether we had an Australian bobsleigh team. <laughs> so, yeah, why – why did you Google that? Oh, I, I like it. I guess you can't ignore the fact that Cool Runnings is the only way the Australian <laughs> public knows uh, the sport. Originally from Bobsleigh, I hope they know a little bit more now since after the Olympics, but um, they were all sprinters. And so it was always in the back of my mind that maybe uh, after um, my athletic career, I'll transfer over to bobsleigh purely because of cool runnings that and then also yana Pittman being a big role model of mine um as a 400 meter hurdler she actually um transferred over to bobsleigh for the sochi olympics and so that was in 2014 so this is obviously very close like close in time frame like i was watching the rio olympics in 2016 and yana had just competed at the sochi olympics in 2014 and so i was like okay cool yana did it I'm for sure I can go and do it. And I knew I was I was so young and I still had so much more to give and I knew I could compete at that high level. I just needed to find my sport and I guess I found that in bobsleigh now. So you've done quite well in bobsleigh mm-hmm. and you were clearly quite a talented runner, hurdler. What do you think has made you uh, such a good athlete just across multiple sports on the physical side of things and the mental side of things? I think it would have to be my perseverance and also ignoring the naysayers. I think there's, there is a lot of people out there and they, they have good intentions sometimes because they don't want you to go and waste your time or get hurt or anything like that. But there is a lot of opinions out there that, you know, um, oh, you're not good enough for this or, you know, it takes a lot of time and effort to become an elite athlete and, oh, there's not much financial benefit in that. Um, And or even when it comes to winter sports, oh, Australians aren't, you know, known for their winter sports. Like you're not going to be able to compete against the big nations and all that. So my ability to just uh, ignore um, the naysayers and go forth and do it, and honestly that's the worst thing anybody can do is tell me I can't do something because I'll go out and pro- want to prove them wrong every single day of the week. And I have, like, my perseverance and my determination is something that I I guess is why I've become as good as I am because I just persevere even when the going gets tough, even when, like, there's no money, there's no sponsors, there's no teammates, there's no coaches. Like, I'll just persevere, I'll just keep going because eventually something comes through. That's so evident, that perseverance, and, it's like, especially when you you probably have people fairly close to you being naysayers like that with all the best intentions, but that'd be very tricky. But when you're starting in bobsled – Give us a little crash course about how you even begin to become a bobsledder. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
funny you call it a crash course because that's sometimes what it can be. Um, <laughs> uh, well, when I when I first began, I went to a talent identification camp and um, just got put through a whole bunch of physical tests. So it was like squats, power cleans, which I honestly hadn't done a lot of. Well, what um, was that power power, power cleans? cleans. Well, yeah, what's that? Oh, it's an Olympic lift where you lift the bar, uh, the bar from the ground and okay. then you catch it like oh, on, okay. on your collarbone. And um, and then also like like thirty meter sprint, uh, standing long jump, standing vertical jump, and they just put through you through all those testing, and I achieved the standards that they were satisfied with, and they were like, okay, would you like to go over and learn how to drive a bobsleigh? And I was like, yeah, sure, that'll that's exactly what I want to do. And they're like, okay, you leave in a month. And Leaving so I. Canada, was it? Yes, yeah, okay. Canada in Whistler in Canada. And yeah. I had to raise all this money in matter of a month in order to be able to do that. So I raised $10,000 just through fundraising and finding sponsors and all that. And I I was so naive to it all, but I was just so determined to do it. I was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Um, and I, I made it happen and I went over to Whistler and – Pretty much, they show that you walk down the bobsleigh track, and they show you. Okay, you have, you have to turn left here. You have to turn right here, left here, right here. It's a big corner. So and how are you turning? So it's like a go kart. Okay. And so it's just a pulley system. It's just back and forth. Yeah. And um, that just turns the runners underneath the sled left and right. Right. Okay. Um, and you obviously have to turn it at different intensities because if a corner is really short, then you would like turn it this way, and a corner is much longer. You obviously you correct the nose in the beginning, so you turn the nose right, and then mm. at the end you would then have to steer it off, so then you turn the nose, and so it's it's. It is quite technical, but in the beginning, they're just teaching you to turn, like, left and right. Mm. Um, and so then you sit in the sled and they go, you ready? And I'm like, I think so. <laughs> and I said to myself, I was like, if you get to the bottom and you hate this, you don't have to do this. But if you, if you don't hate it, like, just keep going. And I, get, I got to the bottom and I was like, I have no idea what I just did then. Um, <laughs> I don't think I saw half the track. Uh but I didn't hate it. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll go again. And I went again and again and again. And I started getting better and better. I started seeing more of the track, understanding more what I needed to do. And in the beginning, you start quite low down the track. So you start at like corner nine, let's just say, and out of a 15-corner um, track. And so we start at corner nine. And then the better you get, they progress you up. So then they move you up to, let's just say, corner six. And then so then you enter the track at corner six and so you have to do more corners and you're mm. getting faster and then the better you get, then they progress you up higher and then we enter in at corner three. Um, so that was really exciting for me because you could, like, see the progression and you could see how much better you're getting Um especially by each time you get to move up the track. And then once you get to the top, that's such a thrilling experience because you're like, I'm at the top of the mountain now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, going down the track, I'll never forget going down the track from the top the first time. It was so thrilling. Um, and then that's – I think that was the moment when I was like, I love this sport and I'm going to go and I want to be one of the best in this sport. That's, and yeah. so, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> <laughs> what year was this? Uh, 2016, 17. Okay, right. And no, uh, yes. 
How long between you looking this up and then you going from the top of the course? It was August 2016 and I was in Whistler at uh, October 2016. Jesus, that that's incredible. Yeah. But <laughs> you mentioned the funding there. Mm-hmm. Does the government fund you at all? So in the they? beginning, well, in 2016, it all had to come out of our own pocket. Right. And so if you wanted to do the sport, you had to pay for it yourself. And so obviously then that's a huge commitment. Um, and then obviously the better you got and the more competitive you wanted to be, to be, the more you had to invest. And it wasn't until after the um, 2018 Olympics was when I started getting funding from the OWIA, so the Olympic Winter Institute of Australia. Um, they they wanted to support me with an individual scholarship, so that was my first uh, little bit of funding that I got, and that was very exciting. Um, and then it slowly progressed. Like the more results you get, uh, the better results you get, Um the more funding you do receive. So I do receive a little bit more now, but the sport is so expensive yeah. um, that, like, for example, my two-man sled costs $100,000 Australian dollars. Oh, my God. So, like, even though the, the government does provide me or, like, institutes do provide me with a bit of funding, um, it's nowhere near enough in order to be able to cover all the costs that a bobsleigh season does entail. Right, and just very quickly, we spoke to Nick Timmings, mm. uh, Skeleton, yeah. a few, few months ago, I think, before the Winter Olympics, and he was saying it's so expensive, the sleds, because just one or two companies just have a complete monopoly duopoly over yep. The market, even though they're not that expensive to produce, they just sell them for massive profits, right? Yeah, because there's not that many options. Yeah. Yep. Oh, crazy. Yeah. But yep. spoke about the well, complete lack of government funding at the start. There, mm. how did that make you feel at the time? There being no support from the government, especially compared to other sports when they're swimming in it. Honestly, I was very naive to it all because I never received any funding in track and field. So anything that I ever wanted to achieve, like if I wanted to go to nationals, if I wanted to go compete at track classics, I had to do that all myself and I had to pay for it all myself. So I I knew no other way. Um, it obviously, as I've progressed along and I've obviously been associated with the German team because of my boyfriend, Christian, um, I've seen how much funding and um how much support those big nations do get. And so I do obviously realise that there is um, a lack of support in Australia. But in saying that, though, it's it's a sport we haven't had that much success in the past, so why would, why would the Australian government put money into that? Um, but I'm hoping now with the, the more success that we are getting or myself um, getting in the sport, um, the more funding is going to become available to us. Yeah, at, at that stage, before you came around and it was sport, no one knew anything about other than cool runnings, like you said, mm. and like there'd been no no success in it Australia-wise, do you think it deserved funding when it was a sport where there was no hope of anyone getting medals or anything like that? I do think there was athletes in the past that did deserve some kind of support because you obviously need like some kind of support in order to be able to get results, you know, like, um, but I never allowed the lack of support and funding to be able to affect my ability to go out and get results. So Mm. I was like, okay, I need funding to be able to get results. I'll just do it myself. And Mm. so I just sourced out sponsors and made connections with people who were able to help me in, in ways that, like they could provide materials because funding is also and like money itself is very hard to come by, but materials aren't so hard to come by. 
Um, so that's how I w- was able to do it. But I do believe that in the past, athletes have deserved um, funding because they've gone out there, they've done work, hard work and, and, and everything like that. But I just don't think it was looked at or taken seriously and, until – I guess I came along and also Monobob came along. Monobob changed the game for the sport, especially in Australia, because Monobobs, which is something I forgot to mention before, all the sleds in Monobob are standardised. So everybody has the same sled. And that made a huge difference because we weren't disadvantaged with our lack of finances to be able to afford the high-level equipment um, that a lot of the big self a uh, big uh funded teams like germany they uh, have these amazing sleds uh, because they can afford them mm. but small countries like australia can't afford those so monobob changed the game for us and it became more enticing for the institutes to be able to go yep we're going to support that because we're going to have more like like we're going to be more likely to succeed in this sport yeah right you mentioned public funding there you raised certain money amount of money just by general public wanted to help you out mm-hmm. Lots of people are like probably not so much into sport would say, oh, this should be going to this cause, that cause, the other cause, whatever. Mm -hmm. Why, what what would you say to them if they said that? I would say you're not necessarily supporting the sport. You're supporting the person and the journey that they are on because everybody – a lot of people have big goals and dreams and aspirations – and if you take the time to listen and hear about people's journeys and what they want to achieve, it's really quite inspiring. Mm. And so that, I think that's why people have gotten behind me because I have shared my aspirations and I've shared uh, my journey and, and, like, you know, my my triumphs and my struggles. And then that's why people have come on and supported me because they've seen that it's, like, it's worth giving their time and their, and their money towards Um I, I completely understand why people would say, why would I support bobsleigh? But you don't necessarily support bobsleigh use or the sport. You support the person and their dreams. Right. Well, they, they might also say that, like, they, they wouldn't know that much about you without having to look it up at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't know how successful you are, how much of a chance you are of being on the TV with a gold medal, all that kind of thing. So they they might say, oh, she might as well be like a professional tree climber or something, <laughs> right? Or like professional Cluedo player. Yeah. So like what makes it like you different to c- compare to the professional tree climbers or whatever it is? I think you obviously have to look up my story to be able to find that out. I yep. don't think you would know any different if you didn't n- – like take the time and effort to listen to what athletes have to say and the journey that they've been on. Right. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes complete sense. I was just devil's advocate there, totally in support yeah, yeah, of the yeah. public no, funding. No, I think you have to. You have. To, but then also, that's the athlete's responsibility then to be able to put their journey out there to the general public. Like you, to get support, you have to put yourself out there, and that that's something that's I've learned along the way, um, and it's also been quite confronting for me because I am quite a private person and I I do like there'll be some times where I have hiatuses on Instagram because like I'll be like you know going through like stressful times and I'll just be focusing on what I need to do like in person but I don't and then I forget to like share what I'm going through on 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 social platforms um so 
yeah, that's my responsibility is to make sure I keep informing people of what I'm going through what I, and, um, and what I'm experiencing so then they can they can feel like they're on the journey with me and then they will likely to get behind me. Can you tell us about the story of you and the 2018 Olympics in <laughs> Pyeongchang? Yeah, so we, as a rookie team, I was selected as the pilot and I and we went on um, the 2017-2018 season uh, to try and qualify for the 2018 Winter Olympics. And at that stage, there was a continental position. So it was to encourage um, countries from Oceania and, from, to, and Africa um, to be able to participate in bobsleigh. Um, and so all it meant that we need to uh, tick off the uh, international criteria of competing in five races on three different tracks over two years. Um, and we did that. We actually did that by Christmas time. And so in, in our minds, especially my mind as a pilot, because there's no other pilot in the team, I was like, okay, we have done our job. We like where we will be going to the next Olympics. Um, and we wanted to continue racing and sliding because we obviously wanted, I wanted to improve my skills and we wanted to improve as a team. So we actually went over to Europe and we competed in the European Cup and that was an, an amazing experience and it's completely eye-opening because the teams over there are amazing and they're funded and they're very structured and it was just it was my first time to be Europe as well so it was just a wonderful experience that was your first time in Europe ever yes yeah wow yeah yeah so it was it was just such a whirlwind of an experience and I I that's where I did I fell in love with Europe was just my first experience of it and when it came around to announcing the um, quota positions for the Olympics, we actually did receive a quota position from the International Federation, but our um, Australian Federation didn't nominate us to um, obtain that position because they didn't believe that we had satisfied their in, in-house criteria. Um, we had like certain criteria that we need to, to tick off from the Australian Federation and they were like, you haven't done that, so we're not going to nominate you. And it was really disappointing and especially because the AOC was so supportive of it and they were like, we don't care that they haven't satisfied the Australian criteria. We just want as many competitors as we can to represent Australia at these Olympics. And also like people like Britt Cox and Scotty James who have competed at such a young age in like such a um, early stage of their career, they've gone on to become like Olympic medalists and world champions. And that's what they wanted for us. They wanted us to experience um, the Olympic event. So then we could go on and be successful in, in future Olympics and not, our federation wasn't having it and so they just didn't nominate us so I didn't get to compete at the 2018 Winter Olympics. What were those criteria? Uh, they, there was physical standards um, and so I think all three of us girls, we didn't achieve one physical standard each and there was also push start standards which – it gets a little bit complicated for everybody, but we had a certain time that we needed to beat. Um, and being such a young rookie team, we just didn't have the physical capabilities to be able to achieve those times because those times were um, were created from World Cup athletes, mm. and so it was it was a really hard, um, uh, like a, a 
I guess, target for us to meet. But we we gave it our best. We we just fell short. And instead of providing us with the opportunity to go on and experience a big event to hopefully better our um, better our future, a federation said, no, you're not going. Can you give us a bit of a look into the mind of Bree Walker after you find out that you're not going to be able to go to those Olympics when you thought you were nailed on? Yeah, well, uh, as I said, as the pilot, I just had this strong, like such a strong feeling that I was going. And so I was just, it was just no doubt in my mind that I was going to the Olympics. Um, And so I, when we got the phone call, we were sitting in our truck in St. Moritz in Switzerland. We had just finished training there for the World Junior Champs and we were like, okay, like we've got, we're having this phone call. And I was more nervous because I didn't know out of my teammates who I'd be competing with. So I, that's all I was nervous for was because I knew one girl was going to be very happy and one girl was going to be very sad. And so I'm sitting there just anticipating that. And then the Federation said that, no, we're not going to nominate you. And I completely broke down. I think the girls were just as upset as I was, but I was just completely blindsided and it just went into survival mode there. So I was calling people from the AOC to try and be like, what has happened here? Um, I actually also was talking with Yana Pittman because she found – no, she contacted me asking me, um, oh, when is the announcement going to be made? Have Like, uh, are you going to the Olympics? And then I told her and she called me. And, and just talking it out with her was like – was really bizarre because she was obviously like such a role model for me, but I'm talking out with her like uh, on the same level. And it was, um, she's like, we need to go to the media about this. Like they they can't do this to you. And um, yeah, it was, it was really, it's quite a blur reflecting on it now, but I just remember just being in such a survival mode because again, I was so determined to get there. And I thought we have, we were. I still had this strong sense that we were going to get there. Like it was just going to be a bit of a fight to get there. But in the end, we didn't. Has it changed you, and as an athlete now, that experience? Uh, yes, it meant for me. It was just like okay, if these standards, uh, if there's set standards that we have to achieve, we just have to achieve them. We have to go. We have to tick the box. We and then leave. And that's been my attitude the whole time. And there's sometimes you obviously, you know, you don't necessarily agree with what those standards are, but standards are there to me- to be achieved. And I think it also pushes athletes to be better. Um, I, I do obviously disagree with the decision that was made back then because it was only, it was just going to be helping us improve to become better in the future. And that's why we would have gone to those Olympics. However, I do be- I do believe that standards help athletes to become better and um, it gives you something to strive for, so I do support them. Right, and you were speaking about Yana Pittman as a mentor there. Mm-hmm. Lydia Lassila, we were speaking about off-air. Yes. So completely different sport yeah. to sports both, like obviously Yana Pittman was in bobsleigh, but she was Summer Olympian before that. Yep. But Lydia Lassila, totally different. How did she become your mentor and tell us about her as a mentor? Yeah, um, I actually contacted Lid over Instagram because I saw that she, I think somebody asked her in a Q&A what she does for a living and she mentioned that she runs a few companies and she's also uh, a mentor for athletes. 
Um, and I obviously know of her story and I know that she was all about pushing the limits and achieving something that nobody had ever achieved before. And I was like, that's, that's what I'm about. Like I want to go to these next Olympics and I, and I just want to be the best in the world of bobsleigh and I want to go and win medals and all that kind of stuff. And so I was like, I also was feeling like sports psychology wasn't really for me at the time. And, um, I had gotten a lot out of um, sports psychology, but I also knew that I probably could get more out of having getting advice from athletes who had been there and done all that. So I just messaged her and I said, hey, and I just expressed all the things that I just said. Um, I said, I would be interested in working with you if you're interested in working with me. She said, let's get on a phone call and let's see, like, let's talk it out. And we, we talked it out for an hour or so and instantly it clicked, like we clicked and it, and it seemed very natural to talk with her and she kind of was on the same energy level as me. And yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic. So is she like a paid coach type role or more just like a mentor who's doing this for free and all that? No, I'm an ambassador for her companies. Okay. And so then that's how it works. So I have right. to represent her brands on World Cup and then also like in my everyday life. Yeah. Um, and then she is my mentor in return. There you go. Good yeah. deal. But you're speaking about the World Cup. You've won a few medals in the World Cup, right? Mm-hmm. Just before the um, Beijing Olympics? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So over the last two years, Monobob became part of the World Cup circuit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've won, I think, two gold, uh, three silver and a bronze. So over across the last two years. So yeah, that's been amazing. It's been a, a, like such a surreal experience to be able to challenge some of the best in the world and to be like going head to head with them with like hundreds of seconds between us. And that's, that's where I thrive when the race is so close that I know that there's somebody who I used to look up to so much and I look and to know that they are, you know, hunting me down or I'm hunting them down that that's such a thrill. I love it. So off the back of all of those, what are you kind of aiming for in the Olympics when it comes around this year or when they came around this year? This year? Well, I, I contacted Lyd because obviously she's been Olympic champion and, and won Olympic medals and World Cup medals and and all that. And so I was just like, I need advice from somebody who's been there and done that because that's what I want to do. And the closer I got to the Olympics, the more I could see it winning a medal being very achievable. Um, and... So that's what I was aiming for. I was aiming to win medals at the at the past Olympics and it was obviously very heartbreaking for me not to be able to do that in the Monobob event because all throughout that week I had been winning the training runs and I had felt like I was ready to win a medal and it just came to the first run of that first event and it was just an experience that I hadn't had before um, and it wasn't like I was overly nervous. I actually wasn't really nervous at all. I was very calm and it was a very different experience that I'd had in, let's just say, in a World Cup event. And I went down and I just wasn't feeling the run. I was just driving and I was just doing it. And I had made a really big error that just cost me for the rest of the way down. And I came up and I was 10th 
And I was just like, what on earth was that? And obviously in quick reflection and what I, the mistakes that I made, I was able to make up. I think I came from 10th to 6th in that first day. But I went back into my room that night and I had a talk with my coach and I said to him, I was like, I don't know what happened because I actually felt like I was so ready. I wasn't nervous. I was, I was really calm. Uh, and, and he was like, hang on a second. That was your biggest race of your life and you weren't nervous. And I was like, no, I, I, I was ready. I, I didn't have any nerves. He's like, Brie, like you should be shitting yourself. <laughs> like you, like, it's not like you let that overcome you, but you should feel something. You should feel nervous. And I was like, ah, that was the problem. I wasn't feeling it. I was just doing it. Mm. And so the next day I went in and I, I allowed myself to feel everything. I was nervous. I was excited. I was in the moment. I was present. Um, it, it was a, so much better approach to the race. And that day I had the second fastest run for both runs. Oh, wow. And I was able to... Uh, uh, go from 10th the first day to being fifth the next day and that's why I was so excited I think like if you watch back on my runs like I'm like coming up the outrun like I'm winning the race because I was so determined to just like hunt down those other girls uh to achieve the best result that I could because I know I made a mess of it the first day so again I don't think uh, I had absolutely everything um I could to in order to be able to achieve a medal it was just lack of experience and so I'm going to take that experience and obviously put that in to the next you know Olympic cycle world champs world cups and gonna and gonna make sure that that I never ex- like do that and make those mistakes again are you in the prime years for a bobsledder yeah. at the moment yeah yeah definitely uh the the longer you are in the sport, the better you are. And it's not necessarily physically you get better, but it's more the fact like you get more driving hours because we can only drive uh, on actual bobsleigh tracks from October till end of March. Um, and they don't and have any in Australia, right? No, tracks? no, over overseas, so in yeah, Europe it's and all North overseas. America. Yeah. Um, so there's obviously a small amount of time that you can get as many runs as possible. Um, and usually a, a training session can be you do maybe three to four runs a day. And so that's only four minutes of training a day. And and when you're racing, you can't just go and smash out a whole lot of days. You've got to take into account your recovery and everything like that. So, so over the last few years, I've really had a lack of runs. So now that I'm going into, a, I, I guess, my third Olympic cycle, I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to get more runs under the belt to be able to refine my skills to be able to become a better driver. So when do drivers usually retire? How long do they last in the sport? I think it's it's very individual. Okay. Like it, you usually see a, uh, a pilot retire within their 30s. Um, but, yeah, it's just whether your body – how your body is doing, how your mind is doing – how financially well you're doing, if you go want to go off and have a family, all those kind of factors will play into it. So it's very individual. And we spoke about uh, those kind of themes in the pocket profile, which I do encourage people to check out. But the last question, Brad, before we get into our last little fun segment thing, mm-hmm. we ask this to everyone. Uh, and I've seen you post quite a few motivational quotes, all that kind of thing. You're quite <laughs> into that. So we ask this to everyone. What is your life philosophy, Brie Walker? Oh, Oh my gosh, that's such a that yeah. 
I think it would have to be something along the lines of enjoying the journey. I think you really have to enjoy the journey, embrace the journey, the good and the bad. Um, like my purpose in life is to be able to help people become the best versions of themselves through me educating and through and leading by example. Um, and, but you, I can only do that if I'm the best version of myself. And I think if I, to be the best version of myself, I have to enjoy the journey. And, um, I think that must be, that's probably what my life philosophy is. I want to investigate that a little bit more because I've never been asked that question before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good. Well, that kind of little motto served you quite well. Mm. By the looks of it, you've done quite well for yourself. But our final segment, Bree, we have it at the end of every show. It's everyone's favourite segment. I'll hit the music because it is called the Where Do We Begin Quiz. That music gets me pumped up every single time. So it's very serious stuff. Okay. It's where do we begin quiz? I hope you're ready. It's probably the biggest competition you'll be in in your life. So <laughs> we do this at the end of every show, as I say. We've had to change the format a bit since we've gone with the solo host. But first off, I have to ask you, well, we've got five questions that are all kind of related to you and your career. Very, very, very loosely in this case. So I've got to ask you first up, when's your birthday? 28th of August. 28th of August. So I've got a list of five songs. They're all top of the charts on the 28th of August throughout the years in Australia. So for all these songs, we've done this type of quiz, this little kind of game a few times before. I've sung all the songs. Uh, I'm going to play them for you, but there's a little twist. I've sung them all in a different language. So I'm not good at singing. I'm not good at speaking any other languages. So it's going to sound absolutely horrible, but I'm going to play all these songs for you. One point for guessing the song. Okay. One point for guessing the language. Oh, okay. Do you speak any other languages? Oh, no. No. Uh, but, I mean, I, I dabble in German. Okay. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, not really. I'll be able to, I bet you I'll be able to pick German. The other languages are, we'll see. We'll see how we go. We'll hope so. But I should just say, we're getting a bit of a ladder uh, type thing since we've done this quiz just with the one person that's been doing with the solo host. So the one person that we've had do this solo type quiz thing was Gabby Ash a few okay. weeks ago. She got two points. So if you can get more than two points, you're top of the table. All right, all right. Are you ready to go, Bree? Yeah, go on. Cool. Let's go. Let's go. First song is this, and you can buzz in whenever you want. Obviously, there's no one else doing it, but if you're listening at home, play along and send us in how you go with each question to our socials. Uh, where do we begin? But, Bree, here is the first one. You've got to get the song, and you've got to get the language. Top of the charts on the 28th of August in a particular year. Here it is. Helfen Sie mir, wenn Sie können, mit Fuller, mit Nere geschlagen. Und ich weiß, es zu schätzen, dass du bist. Hilf mir wieder auf den Boden zu kommen. Willst du mir bitte, bitte hilf mir, hilf mir, hilf mir. Jacken. I, I know the song. I, I cannot tell you the name of it or... No, no, no! I can. It's the Beatles. Is help me if you can. I'm like that's that's the. Uh, help me if you can. I'm feeling down. I'm gonna need the name of the song. I'm gonna need ah. the language. I, well, it, it's it's Dutch. 
It's not Dutch. It's not Dutch. Dutch is incorrect. That's oh. your guess gone for the language. No. It, it was German then, was it? It was German. Six. I can't give you the points. No. <laughs> it just didn't sound German. 30 oh. seconds ago, Bree, you were saying you weren't going to miss German. Christian is going to be you so an abs- It's an absolute gibby, the first question, but you've missed it. Oh, oh, no. Hopefully we can kind of re- rejuvenate the it, last four, but you've got to get the song still. What's the song? Oh, it, it's the Beatles. It is the Beatles. Um, no point for that, though. Got to is, get the is, name there, is that a point? It's not a point. No. I feel like you should give a point to, uh, for the oh, artist. Look, G- hey, Gabby Ash got two points, so I've got, like, you. I think you'll get that quite easily, hopefully, so I've got to be a bit harsh with your ones. Is it, like, is it, it what is it called? Like, help, help me? Uh... I don't know. Nah, I part. I know the song. You know that I know the song. I know that you know it, <laughs> but yeah. Look, you haven't given me the correct answer. I've got to give you another incorrect answer. Oh. It's just called help. Is it just called help? It's just called help. Oh, oh, I was so close. I'm actually like so embarrassed that I couldn't even get the German. <laughs> it just didn't sound so German, so I just thought it might have been Dutch. I like I heard yeah. all the German words. I was like, I'm gonna give her an easy one to start with. I'll give her German. I know she lives in Germany, and then you said I'm gonna get German for sure, <laughs> and then you missed it. Oh, it's disappointing, but <laughs> it is. We'll move on to all the right. second one. Very hopefully, we can kind of regain a bit of momentum okay, with okay. the second song. Here it is. Warum muss ich so in there we go. I was running out of the out of breath at the end of that one. Um, so. Wasn't the greatest performance, but have you got any idea what the song of the language Again, was? Again, I know the artist. It's Avril Lavigne. It is Avril Lavigne. Um, oh, no. Why are you not giving points? Can you give half points I for the artist? I can't, unfortunately. got to stick um, to the rules. I'm trying to think of the language. Is it like Russian or something? Is Russian your guess for the language? I would have to hear it again, but yeah. It's I can play a little bit for you again if you want. Yeah, go on, play yep. it a little bit again. Here we go. Warum muss je het zo ingewikkeld maken? Ik zeg de manje waarop je tot alsof je meint aan de spent maakt me gefrustreerd. It's an absolutely butchered version of this language, yeah, I think. No, but, but I think I think it must like I'm gonna say Russian and I know you're gonna give me a buzzer. I'm gonna give you a buzzer. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately that's the other time you've been right during this quiz. Still what is not it? yet to get on the board. Have you got a song? Do you know what um, it's called? Oh, I told you I was really bad at the names of the songs. Yeah, you did. We did speak about this off air. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm very good at the artists and even the song. <laughs> you were I just, right. I'm not good at the titles. Um, Can you kind of get the tune of it in your head and work out the English lyrics? Nah. Nah? Nah. What Don't. is it? I'm going to kick myself. I know it. Buzzer? <laughs> Complicated. Oh. See, I, I, nah, I wouldn't have known that title. And the language, I didn't give you the language, what Dutch. Is... No. Dutch. Was it? Yeah. Oh. That was your first guess for the, the other one as well. I'm so Help. sad right now. <laughs> 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 All right, go on, We're continue. yet to get on the board. We're on to the third one here, so you can get six points if you get everything right with the oh. last three songs. Okay. That might be a bit of a long shot, but yeah, we'll see yeah. how it goes. Let's <laughs> hope that we can get our first point with this song here. Vroom come sexy. 
Da! Wie du kannst sehen, dass Da! Da! Jeche ona to zapaliti za mene i to je činjenika Da! Odnesi tu uho Doji devo samo napred nastani sim Doji pozaj samo napred nastani sim VIP Got it? Yeah, no, I, I mean it's sexy back It is sexy back We're on the uh, board Yeah, and... Do you want me to keep playing? Get the language? Yeah, go on Pitches za mene Da vidim sa kime se zezas Pogledajte kukove Zbog tebe se mejam I don't know the language. It's a tough language. Is it Russian? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say Russian the whole time because I'll regret it if I don't. Well, the last one, we did Barbie Girl in Russian, but there's no Russian for this answer. It's incorrect. All right, what is it? Serbian. See, it's kind it's of, kind of, it's same, kind yeah. of close. Eastern Europe, yeah. Christian always said I was very bad at like hearing other languages and picking them. He's very That's, good at it. Yeah, it's not a good trait to not be good at if you want no, to be good at this quiz. No, if you're living in Europe especially. Yeah, yeah. But um, he's very good at it and I'm very bad at it, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, we've got one point there. Let's right. hope we can get another one or two mm-hmm. with question number four, Brie. Mm-hmm. Hey! Got it? Yeah. Is it Katy Perry Raw? Katy Perry Raw is absolutely correct. Yes. We're on a roll with okay. the songs. I feel I've the got language. a technique now. It's I a need tricky not, language. I need to not listen to like the the language and I need to listen yeah, to the yeah, tune yeah. to pick the song. But um, the... It's hard when I can't sing for, for the life of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least you've got two points the, now. Any idea with the language? I have never heard before. Yeah, well, that's probably the case because I've absolutely fucked it. Oh! I've got lots of co-workers who speak this language. Do you want to, do you want to have a guess? Yeah, or, hang on, no, play, me play a little bit more. Yeah, there's like five more seconds of it. Is it like Indian or something? Indian, is that your guess? Yeah. Indian's incorrect. <laughs> Indonesian. Oh! Indonesian. The co-workers going to be very angry at me for the way I've uh, pronounced <laughs> all their words there, but there you go. Uh, Indonesian. Have you been to Indonesia? No, I haven't. Yeah. Well, look, I don't well, think anyone would have got that. That was very hard. I haven't heard the language before. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and it's not a language you hear in everyday life yes. when you're living in Europe, is it? But no, no. I've got one more. You're on two points at the moment. Okay. This is big, Bree, because if you get a point here... You're top of the leaderboard. All oh, right, all right. It's, this is massive. And my competitive nature is coming out. Now. Are you feeling nervous? <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay, hey, no, you need to keep playing. Bit I know more? the song. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just for everyone at home, you're in a deep state of concentration yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I figured the technique. Okay, hey, okay. it's Locomotion by Kylie Minogue. Correct. Yep. 
And that's now three points. To... So you're, oh, you're on top now. But we're winning now. Yeah, we're winning. We're winning. But see if you can get the language. Okay, is it like South Korean or something? South Korean? That's an interesting guess. Is that your answer? Yeah, well, I know you're probably going to give me a buzzer there, aren't you? Because you look. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give it. I'll do a little drum roll. <laughs> the last point I'm off in this Where Do We Begin quiz, you're already top of the leaderboard. As it stands, mm. can you get to four points? Obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not. Yeah, South Korea was a very interesting guest. Uh, you were going very European for your first few. The first few were European. So was this. Oh. Italian. Oh my gosh, I learned Italian for 11 years in school. Did and I, you? Oh, it's so embarrassing. Oh. I'm so bad. <laughs> and look, I'm probably going to sound stupid to say this, but I thought the pronunciation was semi all right in that. I just so, got very excited the yeah. fact that I learned, that I got locomotion. <laughs> well, and because you are on top of the leaderboard, we've got some little victory music to play, Brie. <laughs> very well done. Anyone like, you'd like to dedicate your little window to? Oh. I just want to apologise to Christian that I'm very bad at <laughs> picking languages and he's going to hang it over and me German for the rest as well. of my days. Oh, German. dear. Do you think he'll be listening? I'm, nah, I'm not going to make him listen to this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or at least this last half. I'll be like, you can turn it off now. <laughs> so he just doesn't hear because that's embarrassing. Oh, well, look, it's not embarrassing the fact that you're top of the leaderboard, which massive congratulations to you. We've still got lots of guests to come this year. They might overtake you. They might not. We might see you in a final series at the end of the year. <laughs> Yeah, see how you go. Hopefully you can win more finals than our Essendon Bombers. But Oh, let's hope. But no, let's hope that they get up today oh. and uh, it's a beautiful day outside. It is. So, perfect day for footy. So let's hope that they thrive on that as well. Indeed. And just before we go, we do have the Where Do We Begin caps that uh, we speak about in the Pocket Profile, actually, on the Patreon. Uh, we give away a code, or we give people a code, a uh, discount code for the Where Do We Begin caps at the end of every episode. I reckon we'll just go with Bree Walker. Oh. So if you plug in Bree Walker... Uh, let's go to wheredoweebegin.com.au. There's a little shop section. You can get that, get your cap, 10% off. Type in Bree Walker, bing, bang, boom. You've got your cap. Too easy. And I reckon that just about wraps us up because you've got to go have lunch with your mate. So thank yes, you very much, yeah, Bree. Yes, yeah, before the footy. So uh, thanks for having me. It's been fun. It's been super fun. Go Bombers. Yes, go the Bombers. See you next time, guys. been good. Your book is sexy. Your book is sexy. Your book is sexy. A book is sexy. A book is so sexy. A book is sexy. A book is sexy. A book is sexy. Someone up in a sign of him.